You're traveling through another dimension, a dimension not only of sight and sound, but of mind, a journey into a wondrous land whose boundaries are that of imagination. That's the signpost up ahead. Your next stop, the new universe. I knew you'd get that. <laughs> it's a, uh, it's a good, uh, it's a good way of thinking of the new universe. It's its own little pocket dimension of stories that could have happened, but uh, were sort of um, did not get exposure that they needed. So there are little secret for now. For now, we'll, we're, we're seeking to change that. <laughs> well, welcome back to the New Universe podcast with Andy and Stephen. All right. And so today we have our last two issue number twos of the New Universe, still rolling with all eight series, uh, DP7 number two, and then Justice number two. All right. And with Justice, we have our first big creator change right a uh, noticeable creator change noticeable yes. new writer but anyway so we'll get to that later so dp7 number two um so this issue on the cover is targets and on the cover we have our whole team targeted um so they're in the crosshairs of a rifle scope is what it looks like um and then in the new universe tradition the inside cover has DP7 as runaways. So tar <laughs> targets and runaways. <laughs> I guess either works, but yeah. uh, it's another case of like, I, I don't know if they, they sent off the cover and then were, changed their minds later or like they had two different guys handling it and they just didn't yeah. sync them up. They just throw a lot of ideas. Um, so DP7, uh, this is created by Mark Gruenwald and Paul Ryan. Also, Mark Gruenwald is our writer and Paul Ryan is our penciler. And uh, DP7, of course, stands for Displaced Paranormals. So our paranormals in this case are in fact displaced, as in on the run, as in targets, as in runaways, <laughs> running away. So uh, last issue, essentially we got introduced to all of the characters. Um, so it started with Randy, who was a doctor uh, who developed the power to sort of astral project uh, what he then called an antibody, so a little uh, sort of a black ghostly version of himself. Um, dark shadow. Yeah, which he kind of loosely controls. Um, introduced also to David, who was uh, his first patient who kind of grew out of control muscles and became huge in kind of an uncomfortable way. Uh, they sought out the clinic uh, and met the rest of the seven. So we got Charlie, uh, a woman who controls sort of friction, uh, our good friend Skuz, David Skazinski, uh, <laughs> who has acidic skin, uh, so he burns through his clothing all the time. Um, Lenore, an older woman who's like an energy vampire of sorts. So we kind of learn more about their powers this issue, but uh, she steals energy. Uh, Steffi, Stephanie, who can kind of maybe boost powers from the team. Uh, there's a lot of them. And then uh, Jeff, who's our speedster, uh, who always looks like he's vibrating. <laughs> yeah, the uh, 
the last time we only had like one quick fight with all of them at the end and so we get a little bit more development this time with them using their powers and us seeing how it's an interesting variety of powers yeah Um, there's a couple of yeah the big guy the speedster those are classic um astral projection is you know there's a guy like that in sci force i'm kind of yeah um, wondering now why you know will they um, ever meet up could be We'll be looking forward to astral body on astral body violence someday, hopefully. <laughs> it sounds kind uh, of wrong. Healer is, I guess, Anastasia in, in Cyforce. Yeah. Also. But um, yeah, so uh, they're not a super team. They're just people who got together and, you know, they were part of a support group in the clinic where they were all kind of learning about each other. And then um, they got sort of bad vibes from the clinic. Uh, some ideas that they were maybe trying to control their minds and, you know, maybe use their powers for some, you know, nefarious purpose. Um, Got confronted by the guards and uh, had a fight and kind of broke out barely. So with all their impressive powers, they didn't really stand up to uh, Hackbarth, uh, which is one of the, not the leader of the clinic, but sort of a main villain who could control their bodies, like, you know, make them have intense pain or, you know, muscles stop working. An interesting power set. They really kind of crippled everybody. Uh, They just barely got out of there. Uh, Yeah, there were uh, three um, paranormals that were working for the clinic that were, um, we saw some of their powers, but not, uh, not a lot. And then there's the leader of the clinic. We'll see again. The mysterious Uh, Voight. So, yeah, the setup is engaged for for more paranormals out there for for these people to interact with, pro or con. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, we pick off pick up right at the end of issue one where they've escaped from the clinic. So you know, right away they're all kind of a mess. Uh, in whatever they happen to have been wearing in the middle of the night when they broke out and escaped. So a lot of robes and not a lot of pants. And uh, <laughs> the, the, the ladies in, in both in lingerie is... Uh... Yeah. Well, of course, not the older woman. <laughs> no. And then uh, Scuzz needs to replace his clothes a lot. Uh, so he could be in some trouble shortly. Uh, but he currently has pants. <laughs> And so he's kind of leading the way and acid burning his way through the thick jungle, which is sort of an interesting way of doing things. I feel like that would be kind of really slow. Um, but anyway, yeah, his power doesn't seem super fast. Um, yeah. But I mean, maybe not expecting two PhD chemists to be reading this, but I'm thinking like even you pour concentrated sulfuric acid on a log, it's not going to do much for a while. Right? It's going to take a while. <laughs> Yeah. it's a uh i don't know there i mean like he says he's constantly exuding something that so there's a low level of disintegration going on him all the time and then when he wants to focus on something it seems to be fast enough for you to you know for things to happen within a, a reasonable time frame for the story to advance so yeah which is fair <laughs> so he's leading the way 
uh, we're trying to decide what to do. Uh, Jeff, you know, our, our super fast guy is kind of scouting ahead. Uh, they're wondering uh, when he's coming back. Uh, he finds a highway. So, you know, again, they're kind of worried about and thinking about the last battle, uh, wondering if they're being followed uh, by the title. Yeah, probably. Um, yeah, but, and uh, this is, again, just, this picks up just minutes, I guess, after right. the first issue. So no, no break here. They're, they're just rumbling out into the woods. Uh, so they find a road um, and, again, trying to figure out what to do. And should they hitchhike? Uh, they're worried that they'll, their first vehicle they'll run into is from the clinic, uh, but they have a guy with super speed. So super useful. They send him out um, basically to see what's coming. And so he lets them know there's just a truck coming through. Uh, so uh, their idea then is to hitchhike, but rather than have a large squad of seven weirdos all <laughs> holding their thumbs out, uh, they send poor uh, Stephanie out, you know, in basically just a shirt, you know, so she's a pretty blonde, not dressed much, uh, hitchhiking on the side of the road. And uh, we get a fun shot of the truck driver saying, holy, what am I looking at? My seven years on the road, I ain't, I've been waiting for a half-dressed cutie to get in my rig, and now it's going to happen. <laughs> so An early Cletus the slack-jawed yokel there, I guess. Yeah, he, he might have been one of the same guys from Spitfire that was rolling down the hill. <laughs> yeah, that's right. This is his day job. There's um, a truck driver, right? It could be from traveling across state lines uh says what do i do we ain't allowed hitchers but look at that chick i'll never forgive myself if i pass this up hot love in the summertime <laughs> but he thinks better of it so he says i guess it's better not to to not forgive myself than to get a social disease or something sorry lady <laughs> so then he whizzes by with a womb and she's kind of like blasted from the side of the road and kind of a, a fun little cartoonish shot there <laughs> it's a fun uh, humorous moment though. yeah so and, and of course then she's like not really redeeming herself saying uh well how do you like that guy passing up a nice housewife housewife like me as if i were some grubby hippie <laughs> why is she slamming the hippies Jeez. yeah I'm, I'm not quite sure where that uh where does that anger come from steffi i don't understand <laughs> yeah well she has a rough home life i think we find out later but um, so we, we cut back to the clinic. So at that moment, two miles away at the place in question, right? Again, they're still worried because they haven't put much distance between themselves and the clinic. Um, and so then uh, Mr. Voigt busts in on Hackbar, uh, getting medical attention. I, again, we're sort of a comic of realistic violence to some degree. So he got punched in the face by Mammoth, uh, our super strong David. Um, he's pretty messed up. I think he fractured some yeah, he, in my neck. Yeah, that was a pretty hard, so, solid hit. And uh, you, you, the guy's lucky to be walking, honestly. Yeah. And, uh, and Hackbarth is definitely like creepy, villainy, control your body. Like, you know, we don't like this guy. So <laughs> he's as close as they come to a, a villain, I think, in this. Um, but yeah, so... Um, the rest of the team from the first issue that was kind of monitoring and, and uh, you know, 
perhaps working on sort of mind controlling or sort of influencing them uh, shows up. I didn't catch the other guy's name. Uh, Mrs. Speck is a, the blonde who works for the clinic and uh, she sort of has surveillance powers. I don't think they named the other guy in this issue yet. Uh, but he sort of gives the idea that, well, you could have stopped them, but you know, he might have fried their brains for a couple months and it'd take a long time to sort that out. So, so yeah, you get the sense these guys are, are mean business like you know you can we can either you know hurt them or you know we can hurt them one way or another i guess is their options right and so we also get the impression that they're like well trained with their powers right they've been at this for a while whereas you know the the seven are just a group of normal people who are trying to get by oh it's it also mentions that it starts off four months ago. These people were normal. So uh, again, the uh, yeah, timeline here is, I think there's a, yeah. So there's Voight and then there's these three paranormals, uh, Ms. Speck, who they call Receptor, Hackbarth, they call the Regulator. And the what, third one was named in the previous issue as Mr. Charn, I think. Ah. And it, I don't think it gave him like a codish name. So, yeah. The question of, you know, code names, yay or nay, is, comes up in this issue. So we'll get to right. that. Right. Yeah. So, Voight uh, says basically, all right, so we sent our best team, our best headhunters out for them. Uh, so now we, now we know the, the chase is on, essentially. Uh, so, we cut back to the highway. They're still trying to figure out what to do. Um, and you know, talking about uh, do, 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 you know, nothing's come along, so it's been a half hour, still waiting, not a lot of vehicles. Um, our speedster is scouting ahead again, uh, so you notice the Greyhound bus. Uh, so then they send uh, their next attempt at stopping a vehicle, their other half-dressed attractive woman to stand out in the middle of the road. <laughs> uh, but they're pretty sure it's not going to stop for a bunch of strangers, and they're probably right. So instead of uh, trying to hitchhike, she uses her friction powers to basically stop the bus. Um, whether or not she needed to stand in front of it to do that, uh, she does <laughs> and gets it to stop. She's excited. Um, and Mammoth, well, maybe kind of half names himself that, but David, our strong man, uh, rips the door off. Um, Lenore pops in, uh, basically zaps the driver and all the passengers. And so her energy stealing powers kind of in a quick burst will knock a normal person out. That's kind of what we see. Um, so they've got a bus full of unconscious travelers. Uh, Mammoth, our strong man, takes the wheel and then they're on a classic uh, road trip now. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. The big guy can uh, drive the bus. Uh, he maybe could also an eighteen wheeler. So yeah, just I haven't driven anything this big in years. So where to? I'm like, oh, just go. <laughs> so they have a good discussion over like all their backgrounds and why they don't want to go to most of them. Yeah, their family doesn't want to see them, or there's just a lot of strangers around where they live or something. Yeah, so. Scuzz is the, is still a teenager, and so he's got the classic old man who his dad who's not going to put up with him kind of thing. Um, yeah, Lenore was straight off a nursing home, right? So like not a lot of places for them to go. Um, 
until literally yeah. lives in a nursing home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she's she's spry. Um, yeah, she's keeping up pretty well then. Right. So so then they decide to go to uh, uh, David slash Mammoth's uh, uh, mobile home, basically. Right. So that's kind of out of the way. There's nobody there as far as that goes. Um, and so we cut back to the clinic. Uh, we recognize, although in the first issue, uh, Randy, the doctor, they, they were trying to be kind of careful about like, well, let's not tell them exactly who we are, maybe not use full names and such, but the clinic knows everybody. So they calls them all out by name, weight and height. Uh, this is interesting because you, yeah, they're, they're very realistic heights and weights, particularly like these were the days before America had an obesity epidemic. Because so. <laughs> the people that were actually uh, 140 pounds. Yeah, exactly. 240 pounds. Uh, but, and, uh, you, you get a, uh, also um, David's uh, height and weight is uh, 6'11 and 390 pounds. Yeah. That's a big boy. Substantial. <laughs> yeah. So I guess uh, our typical, you know, doctor. Uh, Randy O'Brien, he's 5'11", 180. Our teenager is 5'7", 140. So yeah, a lot of different sizes there. Um, and Miss Speck, uh, what did you say her code name was? Receptor? Receptor, yeah. So uh, we noticed that she basically can see through their eyes is what it looks like. Um, so she's kind of watching through them, you know, looking for landmarks, trying to figure out where uh, they are uh, and doing a pretty good job of it. And Voight then says, I've mobilized agents Bloodhound, Shrapnel, and vice versa. So, yeah. I love those. By the way, they, it's part of the density of the comic that, like, instead of having, like, just tra scene transitions when you, as you go from page to page, one page will have two or three, like, scenes or locations in it. Oh, so yeah. there'll be the guys talking on the bus and then switch to the clinic, like right in the middle of the page and then switch yeah. right back at the, it's like, that's uh, that's some pretty dense storytelling there. And, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's hard to do it all justice because there's a lot going on, which is nice. You get a lot, a lot out of the book, but yeah, the two page that I'm open to is them stopping the bus, incapacitating them, you know, having a couple of conversations about what to do and where to go. <laughs> figuring it out, getting hungry, and then cutting to the clinic, you know, and, you know, tracking them down, <laughs> sicking the dogs after them. <laughs> so, yeah, quite a lot. Uh, so, where do you go when you're hungry on the road? Road trip food is always McDonald's, right? Yes, the uh, actually named and... Uh... Yeah, it's not, it's got that golden arch and the, the classic looking McDonald's kind of Pizza Hut style roof almost. Um, Hopefully they uh, ask for permission. <laughs> yeah, they're all they're all hungry, but Jeff, our uh, speedster, is in a bad way because you know what would make sense if you're burning all that energy, vibrating, running super fast all the time. You know, he needs food to keep up. Right? I imagine uh, David, our strongman, is probably the same way. Uh, but he actually stops shaking so we can kind of see his face clearly usually he's kind of drawn as a blur um and when course, he's black oh yeah right <laughs> i don't know know if they noticed that before but, um 
probably. Yeah, th this is really uh, one of the realistic touches that I, I liked was the needing to eat for your metabolism. David was yeah. saying when he started to become paranormal and he was growing, he needed to eat a lot, which, I, you know, the, like where does the Hulk come from like three times the mass of Bruce Banner? It's just kind of, oh, you know, somewhere. Yeah. Um, this is a lot of energy explaining this. Yeah, I remember there was, um, I think the Flash after the crisis, they had like depowered whatever Kid Flash or something, and we're trying to do a more realistic take where he needed to eat a lot and things like to to build up the energy you needed mm -hmm. to go super fast. Um, probably promptly forgot about it after a couple of issues. Yeah, that was long before a speed force was in was uh, <laughs> created as a got the strong nuclear force, the weak nuclear force, electromagnetism, gravitation, and the speed force. Wait, wrong universe. It's, it's pretty pretty bad when you know. Uh, to my mind, that was the most hand wavy argument in a comic <laughs> book. <laughs> like, yeah. So. I love this next scene, though, because, you know, they just escaped. They don't have any cash, you know. Um, and, of course, uh, the Dennis Scuzz uh, is a little bit take charge in this this issue, essentially. But he's got a great plan to kind of fake out McDonald's and get a bunch of free food. Um, so he kind of goes in there. He's like, I got to order for the whole tour bus, orders $150 worth of food, you know, 40 Big Macs, 35 large fries. Sounds a lot like President Trump's dinner for the college basketball team way back when, which is kind of sweet. Um, and uh, it's like, oh, I forgot the money. Let me go grab it. You know, and so uh, he's wearing his pants. He borrowed uh, Randy's coat. Uh, no shoes, I notice. Um, but, you know, he kind of runs back. So once the order starts getting put together, they're starting to lay it out on the counter. Uh, Jeff speeds in there, speeds out like a tornado smashes the door <laughs> but has basically grabbed all the food <laughs> um and then rather than just sneaking out right and then kind of having the cops called on you uh, smartly he goes back in he's like oh what the heck where's the food um and uh got swept up into a tornado you know my bus driver's in a panic we got to get out of here <laughs> so he's just running <laughs> yeah it's a uh you get the sense Scuzz is actually pretty good with this sort of uh, making stuff up as he goes along and uh, kind of living on the edge of the law, um, but it, it pays off well. Um, it's not like, you know, there's like a moral discussion of, amongst the other guys, like about taking advantage of people and things. Um, and it, this is pretty reasonable. You don't think like he's, you know, really screwing over the people who work at this um, McDonald's, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't have a lot of choices. So. No, either that or get caught, basically. Um, yeah. Mm, good. I mean, Are we cool or what? First we hijack a bus, then we knock over a burger joint. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of nice little details though like the art's good you know the conversations are good i can't really cover it all as like i've said it's dense it would take forever but you know like jeff's like oh i think i ate too fast and randy's complaining that scuzz kind of burnt up the inside of his jacket with his acid skin 
He's like, oh, and, and Randy also like says he's going to send money back to them, and reimburse the, the McDonald's and the bus company, and you know, yeah. which is wouldn't you know be an unrealistic amount of money. It's not like they blew up a building or something, right? So, you know, he even wants to pay him back for the gas money, so. <laughs> Um, trying to be nice yeah, uh, he's, he's definitely our most like uh, honest um, and morally conflicted perhaps because he's the doctor I don't know yeah he's got some ethics um, but again you know so they filled their bellies uh, driving driving away uh, now it's time to talk code names cool names names of folks you don't want to mess with which I love. So Scuds has the idea. <laughs> he kind of names everybody. So yeah. So yeah, Scuzz comes up with everybody's code name, which is uh, interesting. Um, I guess you know, as it, as someone says, I never read comics. I don't know. Um, and yeah. the others come up with code names for you. Um, yeah. Let's see. We start off with Jeff. Should be the blur. Yeah. That's what he looks like. Yep, Charlie is friction. Not very creative. Yeah, friction's not that great. Stephanie, I don't know about. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Lenora creates a weird Twilight Zone effect, so she could be Twilight. Oh, yeah. Dave, you kind of look like a Mastodon from the Mice Age, you know? <laughs> That's not I think nice he thing. called him Mastodon in the first Is that really the first thing image that would come to mind when you saw like a big guy? I would call him like Big Show from the old uh, WWF or something. But this is pre-Big Show. He would be more like Andre the Giant, I guess. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, Andre. That's a trademark name. Okay, let's <laughs> Mastodon. I like that he calls himself the Duke of Disintegration, though. <laughs> That's a solid one. <laughs> I only wish we, we had stuck with the Duke of Disintegration. We could just call him the Duke of Disintegration. Maybe when he gets his own spin-off series. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, let's see. Dave and Randy say that um, the, the, you especially wouldn't want to be recognized. It would ruin your medical career. Hmm. Probably too late, man. Sorry. <laughs> so um, then Lenora comes up being a latin teacher comes up with a name for stephanie and calls her viva that's what you do stephanie you add life invigoration vitality mm. uh, latin word for life is vivo and to be feminine it would be viva none of those sound good to me no, no yeah that doesn't sound right <laughs> oh well maybe we'll get a better uh, nickname for her later and then uh randy sort of names himself Antibody, a bit of a play on a medical term. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> Scott says, I thought you called it the dirty ghost. <laughs> Sounds like a bad nightclub drink or something. <laughs> Duke of Disintegration and the Dirty Ghost go on an adventure to steal from McDonald's. <laughs> but then Scuzz doesn't care. He says, ah, just keep calling me Scuzz. I want people to know it's me. <laughs> it was all your idea. So... <laughs> that's a nice character moment there for Scuzz and I like him he's not as angry as Wayne in Cyforce but he's got a little more uh, personality besides uh, teen rage <laughs> as far as things go 
so yeah, so we're near the end of their first quick trip um, and basically make it pretty close to the mobile home, close to Mastodon's mobile home. Uh, but we notice pretty quickly, basically, that uh, uh, the, the team that are after them, the Bloodhound, Vice Versa, and Shrapnel are pretty close on their tail, uh, flying overhead in a plane and getting uh, radioed in details from, uh, you know, the clinic back and uh, shoot, I forgot her name again. Code name for the woman was... Receptor? Receptor, yeah. That sounds like a transformer. Oh, there it is in the middle of uh, the... Ah, yes, thank you. Bottom of 11. Receptor device versa, affirmative sighting. Looking through the eyes of the youngest Kuzinski right now. Sees your plane, but does not suspect. And then I, I like the next line from vice versa. You heard her, Ed, uh, bloodhound. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even the villains don't like their code names. Yeah. It's probably a little weird to call people by their code names. So, uh, when we'll learn Shrapnel's powers, I think his code name was a kindness, perhaps, for what he can do. <laughs> um, so, so they don't quite make it uh, to his mobile home yet. You know, so they realize one of the neighbors has a bunch of people over, so they can't really sneak over there. And they're kind of hanging out uh, away and outside. Um, and Jeff had run off. Uh, they decide to kind of send the antibody out uh, to scout a little bit uh, to kind of see what's going on. I'll get a short moment of uh, Steffi kind of feeling bad and wondering if she's ever going to see her kids again. <laughs> uh, but our, our team of three um, hunters Agents. has landed. Hunters. Yeah. Headhunters, yeah. Yeah. And. Um, and they're kind of excited to get to do something, right? So I signed up with the agency to make like Rambo, not Mr. Rogers. Uh, so Bloodhound picks up their scent. So he's got the smelling powers. Um, I, I, I like this team of three uh, weirdo trackers uh, quite a bit, as it turns out. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, they're on the trail. Get a nice full page. Yeah, they say they've been working for the agency for um and so again the clinic and the agency are the, the, you know this yeah. power behind the scenes that we don't know much about yet our evil corporates um so jeff had run off and he comes back and had robbed a farmer's market so he's all about the stealing the food <laughs> yeah, he's uh he's not got a lot of uh, problems with uh feeding himself there no <laughs> so you know it's like how come you're not eating you know, it's like i already did i finished two bags all by myself then i went back for more <laughs> so oh, poor farmer's market guy um so we get a change in scene to uh looks like bloodhound uh with a rifle trained on jeff as he's talking uh about the look on the farmer's face um, but also in the background, we see the black antibody kind of flying and has a, like a question mark, question mark, uh, quizzical. So it's noticed that the uh, team is being followed. So the way the antibody works is it can go out and experience things. And then when it comes back and comes into contact and kind of either, either absorbs back into Randy or even touches someone else, then its memories get transferred. 
So like he can't see through its eyes and know what's going on. It has to return to him before he figures that out, uh, which is kind of neat, uh, but a, a limitation there. I guess that is distinct from the Cyforce uh, astral projection as, who like his body sort of collapses and his consciousness is in that astral projection. Yeah. Here, Randy's and the antibody are two sort of separate things. He doesn't really have much control over it, but it does sort of listen to him and it yeah. has independent yeah, intelligence gathering and other powers. So. Yeah, and then it can punch people, it can touch, right? So it can actually make contact to where uh, we didn't, haven't gotten the impression in Cyforce that uh, the, the jock kids can do much of anything other than kind of fly around and people can see it. It was a distraction yeah. so far. Um, so yeah, the, the antibody comes back and kind of absorbs back into Randy, like wondering what's going on, that it seems so urgent, uh, but then too late realizes the hunters are aiming at him. So you get a patoom and Jeff goes down. Um, you know, he, he's the tranquil, it's, it's a tranquilizer gun, not a gun. Uh, so they're not trying to kill them, uh, but Jeff stops, stops vibrating. He's kind of down for the count. Uh, looks like Steph gets hit. Uh, you know, they're kind of not really understanding what to do. Mastodon covers Jeff. He gets shot twice. Uh, he's a big dude, so it, it takes a lot to bring him down. So he recognizes where Bloodhound is uh, firing from. He's kind of walking up, uh, rumbling up towards him. I'm going to mangle you. And like, oh, limbs are like jelly. So he shot him a good couple of times uh, before he went down. So those guys are They're down. pretty smart to to take off the, the speedster first because, you know, that's the guy who can just run around behind you and, you know. Yeah, you think if he's on his game, like none of them can really stop him <laughs> as far and as then the, the Steph and Lenore, I guess, both get shot. Yep. And so then, most of yeah. the team's already down from the get-go. Uh, we cut to... Uh, uh, Charlie, our friction controller, and Scuzz, our acidic guy, um, and you know they're gonna you know, do something. Use your friction power, like do something. You know, so she kind of gets up, but he's trying to grab her, like you're crazy. You're just gonna get shot. Um, you know, she slips out from his grasp, and uh, it looks like uh, vice versa gets her with the trank gun. So she's getting ready to use her talent, but then bam, you know, she goes down as well. Uh, Randy sends out his antibody right before he gets tranked right in the back of the neck. Oof! Looks We're dropping like flies, indeed. Yeah, the, our team is our team is not doing so well. Uh, no fastball specials where like Colossus would throw Wolverine after right. many hours of training in the danger room. We, These guys don't know each other that well, and they're just. It's probably too late for us to send the writers information that they could do a scuzz ball special where Mastodon <laughs> throws scuzz after he's built up a nice sweaty handful of acid. <laughs> it's a similar, similar idea. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, I like that scuzz ball special. Put that in our notes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Commission some art on that one or something. Uh, so they're not really the the hunters aren't really sure how to fight the astral projection. You know, they try shooting with the tranquilizer gun, but obviously that does not do much. Uh, so he's squaring off against um, shrapnel, 
and so Tranka doesn't work. You know, the astro guy punches Shrapnel in the face, and he's like, "Blasted things become tangible at will." Let's see how he likes some hot psychoplasmic shrapnel, and he's ripping his shirt off, off like Superman, like exposing the S, uh, except he's exposing his gross pockmarked chest. <laughs> um, yeah, postules or something, yeah. he calls it. I think he's my favorite uh, shrapnel is with his explosive skin blisters. Not, not the most pleasant looking guy. So you know, he's got blisters all over his body and he apparently can launch them. Uh, so it hits the astro body, but not really clear whether or not it does much. So it, it kind of gives a quizzical look and maybe kind of sort of collapses. Uh, but it doesn't quite look injured, so it's a little curious um, exactly what 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 is he shooting out of himself? It, it, it's odd, uh, a dangerous and nasty uh, psychoplasmic pimple or something like that. But uh, again, the character is kind of interesting. He says it hurts a lot, you know, so it's kind of like popping a pimple. Uh, but at this point, nearly the whole team is down. So back the big one, anyone not accounted for, just a youngster, right? So they're still trying to hunt Scuzz down. Uh, Bloodha Bloodhound, uh, go looking for him, Bloodhound, while you put the chloroform filled bags over these four. Uh, I feel like chloroform filled bags is. Uh... The major uh, player also in the, yeah. uh, the scheme. I think I think you would just die though, right? <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's lack of oxygen. Yeah, it's a bit uh, of an exaggeration that chlor chloroforming from like movies or something is like this magic put you to sleep gas. Uh, as yeah. chemists, I think we're all somewhat more uh, familiar with it as just a solvent that. Yeah, it's a solvent, and, and there is in fact like some of those anesthetics that can act kind of like a knockout drug, but uh, chloroform is not one of them. Uh, so essentially, you'd just be breathing uh, fumes and uh, you know having a lack of oxygen, which would not be much fun. And uh, if it's a bag over your head, I mean that's the classic kid warning. So it seems kind of deadly. Yeah, the. Uh... They've, they've got their own sort of design, so it's maybe like an agency special yeah. for their uh, targets to... Somebody did their dissertation on uh, chloroform bags. Uh, but like, there's a, there's a stealthy, uh, my favorite, absolute favorite moment in this issue so far. Uh, so, excuse me. Again, everybody's down. Um, Stephanie real is kind of awake, so she's got this sort of power boosting powers, so maybe she's gotten it to wear off of herself. She kind of creeps over and touches Jap's leg, you know, our super fast guy, to use her power to kind of power him back up. So he starts vibrating, and then from Bloodhound we get sniff movement, the fast one. He can smell movement. This guy's the smelling daredevil, right? Like it's so strange. I love it. <laughs> oh. Like okay. Daredevil always bothered me because he can he can't see, but it basically can see everything with his powers. But this guy can smell movement, which I love. I don't know how that works. But <laughs> uh. So yeah, Bloodhound and Shrapnel. Um, yeah, that's a good team. Uh, so, but now that Jeff's up, you know now he's instead of being caught by surprise you know he can actually use his powers 
So um, Stephanie gives gives Bloodhound a nice kick to the stomach. Uh, so those high kicks I learned when I was a cheerleader are paying off. Uh, Jeff grabs the gun, speeding away. Uh, Stephanie again is looking kind of like a badass. She like punches through a thin tree <laughs> uh, before uh, uh, Bloodhound actually kind of takes her out with a uncomfortable looking knuckle punch to the neck. Uh, Jeff runs into vice versa. Yeah, he's looking to grab her gun. Uh, she says, I'm called vice versa, boy. You know why? He's like, yo, suddenly I'm running the opposite way. So she like <laughs> somehow repels him. And uh, the boy thinks kind of racist, maybe, maybe not intentionally. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's not dwelled upon, but yeah, it's a, it's also a little like, this is one of those stranger powers. That's, that's kind of hard to explain. The guy or... has to investigate. Is it going to, does this work all around her? Uh, if I turn around and like walk backwards towards her, will that rip? I don't know. Ooh, I, know. I like that. Like the bizarro universe. Um, so yeah, she's, she's got kind of interesting powers. Um, you see, I also hand... notice things like Stephanie like skins her knuckles, and there's a, another couple of points in this fight where people like hit each other, and they're there like, "Ow, my hand!" Yeah, which is like strange like you don't see that in a in a regular comic book you just hit people and hey this is fine yeah it really does hurt a lot i guess if you're not yeah bone on bone it's no fun <laughs> yeah you can actually see your hands kind of scuffed up um yeah a, a nice little touches of realism in between all the uh superpowers here um yes yeah, so one of our team kind of snuck up on vice versa and, and takes a shot at her with the tranquilizer gun but that just zips around back at him basically so that's scuzz who's kind of hiding in a hole in the ground uh but yeah kind of bounced off her and <laughs> takes him out so she's got interesting powers um so jeff gives up fighting her steals the gun from our uh explosive skin blister man um yeah so things are starting to kind of go the way go their way the antibody wakes up kind of comes out of the ground you know uh, trips up shrapnel jeff punches him in the face calls him <laughs> i like i like the line hope those clinic clowns are paying you real good to be such a jerk hole bro <laughs> and then get an owl when he punches him so yeah i think it broke my hand shadow man but he's down for the count let's go help the others so the we cut to Bloodhound, who's uh, getting ready to put the bag on Lenora, perhaps. Uh, he kind of demasks her to, use, to borrow her powers to take out Jeff and slow him down. Uh, and then he's holding a knife to her throat. Uh, you make one move, punk, and the old lady's throat is slit. And then you get a, a nice thought bubble of what a sleaze. Um, so yeah, a lot of action here. It's, everybody's kind of going up and down, you know, yeah, it's it's back and forth, and you don't know where where things are going from one panel to the next. Yeah, so but it's, it's a really nice action scene. It's well drawn. Um, we get vice versa, uh, looking at Charlie uh, with the friction powers, kind of uh, checking her out, uh, realizing that she's still sticky, and saying, "Hey, doesn't she have to be awake to use her powers?" Um, but it turns out she was faking it, so she used her friction friction uh slipperiness powers to deflect the uh, initial 
tranquilizer dart and then kind of grabs the woman by the throat. Uh, so no, no luck reversing that chokehold there. Uh, and basically chokes her out. Um, yeah, and again, a little touch of realism is, you know, I've never tried to choke anyone before. I hope I haven't strangled her to death. <laughs> it's another case where, like, we can sort of relate, I guess. Like, never having tried to choke someone, I don't know how much. Hey, speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Or am I? Am I? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, you know, all we've got left then is Bloodhound still kind of holding the knife. Uh, he's trying to get them to chloroform bag themselves, you know, so threatening uh, Lenore again. Put it on your head or or I'm going to stab her. Uh, but of course, Charlie's up and she's got pretty good use of her powers. So she uses her slippery powers on the knife and it kind of zoops out of his hand. Um, my knife lost my grip. She did that. And there's a sweet uh, squoit. <laughs> Sound effect, S-Q-U-O-I-T. I can get behind that. And again, so antibody blasts him in the face. Charlie sticks him to the ground. Uh, never knew grass could be so sticky. Uh, and they're working on getting the chloroform bags off of Mammoth and uh, Randy's heads, uh, who had been uh, pretty well knocked out. Yeah, for the, the sort of main characters, Randy and Dave both barely featured in this fight at all so yeah but to be fair randy uh has got a good power right with that sort of astral form but other than that he's just a doctor guy so i'm not expecting him to do too much in the fight but yeah luckily he got his his uh antibody man out before he got tranked in the neck <laughs> uh, so they're having trouble getting the bags off you know they wake up scuzz and he uses his acid uh, thankfully to burn the bags keeping their faces okay there's a fun look on uh, mastodon's face where they kind of sizzle away the mask and he's looking there kind of with a, a face and says oh whoa hey we win <laughs> <laughs> he so it seems much. like a fun guy to hang out with he does drives a bus with <laughs> salt of the earth yes at 390 pounds and about seven <laughs> feet tall uh, so yeah and it's another moral dilemma and it really is like a good question they're you know um being hunted by this group that seems to be outside of the law so can they get the you know cops to arrest them or are they themselves going to be arrested and taken back to the clinic or or what it's still kind of unclear how this is yeah yeah, really. Uh, and so I was like, yeah, what do we do? Do we kill them? Right? And like, no, we could tranquilize them. You know, so they decide on basically tying them up and then wrapping the chloroform masks on their heads uh, to incapacitate them. Um, they don't know about uh, Mrs. Speck, right? Receptor, uh, basically being able to constantly spy on them. Uh, so they, they have a real disadvantage in actually trying to escape. Uh, but you know, we leave, they finish the battle, defeated uh, all of our uh, hunters, including the daredevil of the nose, bloodhound and explosive pimple man. And, uh, you know, head off. And then our, our next issue is on the road. Yeah, Dave, it says, I think we'd be smart to get my mobile home mobile as soon as possible. 
then we can relax. So they do have a, at least they're not just going to go to his mobile home and sit there and <laughs> yeah. come back in two minutes. Crack some beers. and. But yeah, I mean, they can tell there's some sort of surveillance or something going on, but they, there's still, uh, it's a mystery to them how, it's, how it works. And so they'll be at a serious disadvantage until they get that figured out. Right. And they clearly can't really yet work as a team, you know, and they're sort of just barely using, you know, kind of understanding and sort of using their powers in some sort of actual sort of fight, right? They weren't really preparing for that in the clinic or they didn't think they were. Uh, they could have, if it turned out for uh, the bad guys, they could have very well been, you know, one of these teams that goes out and, you know, does unsavory things. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's possible that was the agency's plan, the clinic's plan, uh, or worse. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I had a fun thought with this one uh, before we end DP7. Again, I really like the, the team of hunters, right? So you know, our Bloodhound, vice versa, and Shrapnel, like they were dressed in kind of like, you know, olive green army fatigue kind of looks, uh, kind of in sunglasses. But, uh, you know, like Bloodhound with his extraordinary powers of smell. Uh, but, you know, with the white event giving all of them their powers, right? And so in Nightmask, we saw like he was in a dream uh, when the white event happened and he's gained dream powers. So it just stands to imagine that Shrapnel was like in the bathroom popping a pimple when he got, when the white event <laughs> happened, right? Or like some sort of nasty boil. <laughs> that poor man though, right? Because, you know- It's some in, serious he, skin condition. Right, unless he was covered with that when he started like that if that's his power then white event happens gains all these nasty blisters they're explosive right it must have been a fun thing to learn about when that first happened right you know blow up your bathroom or something i don't know <laughs> but that, that's how i like to imagine i don't i don't think we ever get his backstory he's just kind of like a a, a goon and i think he does show up again but uh leland sharp apparently which i looked him up so I think he would have had a cool origin story. Yeah, the I like the, as I said, the realism of the big guy and the fast guy and their like advanced metabolism. Um, but then you have like people's powers who I don't know how much energy it takes up to have an antibody or to yeah. do the friction power. And so those are kind of left as question marks. Um, but I mean, you have let's call it verisimilitude with the things that you can sort of relate to. They, they sort of give rational, you know, parameters and um, so the downside of having to feed the guy. If you yeah. want like someone who to, to be super fast and scouting ahead of you all the time. And, yeah, and actually even just dealing with that, right. They're not all of a sudden, you know, showed up at his place. Right. Or, you know, they're not like time warping all over the place. I'm like, well, okay. So they break out of this building. Then what, where is it? It's in the middle of nowhere. Right. Not going to be a lot of cars. Right. It's hard to navigate. They, they don't have a ride, you know, all those little details. You know, it's, a, it's a nice little story so far. Uh, yeah. Know, I mean, it really, stuff. it feels like it's not even like the second episode. It's like the second hour of a, of the movie or something of yeah. their origin. So really zipping along. Um, 
overall good, good. Um, the characterization is still very strong. That's really a strength of DP7 is the, um, they're very individual characters. Yes. And uh, you never, they don't feel like stereotypes though. Like Cyforce, we would say, we said Breakfast Club. And so far oh, yeah. that they nail that on 100% the character archetypes we have in the breakfast club. Yeah. Seven is all over the place and they're very like, feel like real people. Yeah. It is one of the few comics where we have not really tied it to an obvious like eighties movie franchise too. Right. The, yeah. yeah. And it does a nice thing. Right. So like if this were a, a comic booky, I realize saying this about a comic book, like a comic booky, like Avengers kind of team, like they would be ridiculously powerful, right? Super strong, astral projection. You know, you can stick the guy to the ground, hit him, burn him with acid, right? You know, <laughs> depower everybody with the ghostly energy sapping face of Lenore. Like, you know, like these guys could be unstoppable as like, you know, a well-trained combat unit or something. But yeah, they're just normal people uh, who need to eat and need to get by and, you know, not exactly ready to kind of jump into action other than that they got to save their butts. Yeah, I guess in the first issue, they were fighting one of the orderlies. And so now they're fighting three people. So yeah. maybe they're, they, they are improving in that uh, metric. So. Yes, a little bit. They keep powering up. So next time it would be five. Ah. What's the pattern? All right, so, so what would you grade this one out of? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I enjoyed it, but maybe a little um, bloom was off the rose from the first issue. So mm. A minus A, I don't know. That's still pretty high. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I really like the, the overall book and... Uh, We'll find it's, you know, the consistency of the, the writer artist team here is going to really carry it through even a, uh, you know, through any doldrums, so. Yeah, even like the A list kind of character comics can really like take a dive when you go from a team that you like to a team that you don't. And, you know, once Rob Liefeld takes over or something, you're like, oh man. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, here we get force. Yeah, and suddenly there. Here we get Grunewald all have the way. Guns and yeah, I would go B plus, right? It's 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 good. Art's good. Good story. Doesn't blow me away, um, but I I still like everything about it. Um, nobody's dying like in uh, Justice and Merc so much. <laughs> yeah, they make every effort to not kill people, which is also good. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, let that, let's get into justice number two. Justice number two. Justice number two is, um, uh, cover is uh, justice uh, doing a simultaneous roundhouse kick and uh, firing off his uh, sword power at some sort of werewolf looking uh, monsters. Yeah, brown. Inside like a cage. They look like goblins to me. Goblins? Oh, that's good too, yeah. But they're, I think, green for goblin, but it's like brown goblins, broblins. <laughs> um, 
so it's a uh, good sort of action action scene. The he's in like a big uh, cage, like uh, again, sort of a WWF cage match. It very much reminds me of like a pose I would put one of my GI Joe action figures in as a kid or something. Like he's kicking and punching at the same time, and you know, surrounded. <laughs> and oh yeah, he's <laughs> uh, it's good. Yeah, the uh, it has an action figure equality, sure. Um, but I, I I like we again we get into um, the story itself uh, and the splash page, it's pretty strong. The title of the story is Land of Other Shadows. And we have a little uh, narration from Justice himself to start yeah. off. This is a jail, sort of pit where they hold evildoers until they take them to a judge. Judge, what's that? They think I'm an evildoer because I killed an evildoer. It's logic like that that forces them to work with judges. <laughs> I'm justice. It's time for me to take off. And then the uh, creative team take off into a brand new universe, courtesy of Steve Englehart's story, Jeff Isherwood pencils, and Vince Coletta inks. Take off into a brand new universe. I think that I will use that more often in, in, uh, in our welcomes. You know, I, I like the spinner rack better personally, but takeoff works the justice uh when he thinks of himself he has this sort of the 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 title from the cover of the comic so it's in this you know bold uh fanciful typography and uh someone online had pointed out that it's like it's not a u it's a v in that old roman style so yeah you could just call him Javustus. Jivistus? <laughs> but let's not do that. Forego that. And yeah. So Justice is in a, a holding cell and he's got several ne'er do wells hanging out in the cell with him. <laughs> he, uh, to move on to the story, he is thinking to himself uh, some of the events from the first issue where he's a stranger from a strange land. He doesn't understand where he's at or what's going on at all, basically. And he says he was, um, he has a, only memory is that he was kissing a woman and then he was attacked by ninjas and then maybe he died or just yeah. came here. He, he doesn't know what happened. He doesn't know and we don't really know. And he says, I find myself in a land of other shadows. Bright yellow sun, one cold pale moon. And so the land of other shadows from the title is, is this world, the uh. regular world. Um, and again, it's an interesting um, point of view character because he'll you know, narrate his, his own adventures, but because he's so like alien to, to everything, it, it, it always has a sort of an interesting uh, point of view. Um, let me say that, yeah, as we, as we mentioned at the top, um, this is a significant creative change. Um, yeah. It's the same artist. I think the art anchor has also changed. Yeah, they um, had sort of a team of artists last time, but yeah, new anchor, same penciler. But uh, Steve Englehart is taking over the story from Archie Goodwin, who has, was the creative uh, 
the creator of justice. And um, Steve Englehart has a long creative history. Yeah, um, I looked at it and I was impressed. Yeah, I, I went through Wikipedia to, to double check because he, I mix him up with like Jim Starlin and a couple of these other guys who are, I'll just call them ex-hippies. <laughs> seem to have done a lot of drugs in the 70s and don't think that's good for your creative uh, output in some capacities. But um, so, yeah, this is uh, Archie Goodwin has handed this off to Steve Englehart and looking ahead, apparently he'll be on for a few issues, hmm. but um, we will weather through it. Yeah, Steve is, is, this isn't his creative heights, I guess. He's, um, he's known for doing uh, several, um, created several characters, wrote several you know, major teams, and had some good runs for both Marvel and DC, both before this, starting in the 70s, and after this, through the 90s, even. Yeah. So... This is not his greatest work, though, I will, I will say. <laughs> I noticed he was not credited with this, this particular comic on Wikipedia on his list either. <laughs> you have to go down to the full bibliography. And... We should put it on Justice there. League of America? Do you mean just Green Lantern? Justice foretold? So anyway, so after thinking about his um, recent events that were covered in issue one, including, I guess, the maitre d' of that um, uh, discotheque that he went to. Unfortunately, this is her only appearance in the issue. I was kind of oh, hoping yeah. that Dragon Lady, Dragon Lady was cool. yeah. would, would be like the buddy cop formula, but um, no, it was no. not meant to she be. She could have guided him through this confusing world. I mean, as we'll see, yeah, that would have been... That would have been some pretty ways useful. more interesting. I don't know. Yeah. So um, while he's thinking to himself, these uh, thugs behind him are like uh, making gesturing to each other, and they seem to have um, shivs. I think they call it these yeah. made knives, and they're coming up behind him. And uh, Justice is thinking is uh, he's you know thinking about the, his what he's going to do, and then he just turns around and he fires at one of the kids. And this is not quite how the sword worked in the first issue at all. No. <laughs> Instead of this like ray, this cone of utter destruction, you just have this <laughs> like a joy buzzer or something. It's just sound. <laughs> and um, one of the guys kind of goes flying. Arg! And um, with no like visible, you know, vaporization here no not really and sure what he's he died down of. on the ground and his friend says man you killed him and the other guy we was just gonna talk to you man so justice then you see his aura reading power he's looking at these two guys and he's he's lying the there's no like interesting uh art inside the figures it's just it's all green yeah in the of. previous comic it looked kind of like a splatter pattern almost and it was darker like the green evil was you know like you wouldn't really make out their faces either it was just like an outline of the person and then like a blast of like weird color and here it's yeah. just kind of like they 
you know, you can see the person, then it's just, they're kind of washed green. It doesn't yeah. look the same at all. It confused me at first. Yeah, this is, it's, it's the same. Sorry, my memory from the new universe is this is one of the biggest issues they had was consistency. And especially going from like creative team to creative team was um, sort of nailing down exactly how people, you know, how their powers worked or how they, you know, their personality or something like that. So it's, you know, we're only a couple of pages in and we're like, this isn't what the way it worked last issue. It's not even the way it worked on the same page. <laughs> yeah. So then, yeah, the next panel, your language is filthy and he fires the sword again. But now it's like a laser beam going through the uh, one of the guys' sides. I don't, yeah. I don't know what's going on with this one. So like you got prison goons and they're basically in like a police holding cell. It's not like, you know, maximum security prison with rooms and stuff. It's just kind of like the drunk tank. But and yet they have they both have shivs <laughs> and then they basically want to kill him for standing up. Like there's no reason. But yeah, he doesn't make he straight I mean, up murders two dudes. <laughs> yeah, he I, I was gonna say actually in thinking about you know the details of the first issue, it makes it was the morality of it was um maybe more clear to me that he was always killing people who had either just killed someone or were about to kill someone. Right, like the drug dealer and the, yeah, like the, the punks in the beginning had just killed an old woman, so he kills them. There was, yeah, but the, the guy with a machine gun is trying to kill someone. He kills him. And then the, the FBI agent, double agent guy, that's the real questionable yeah. one. He picked up the gun and Justice uh, murked him. Yep. And, you know, the, the, everyone just saw like a guy kill an FBI undercover agent and and that's how we got in this prison cell. Uh, yeah, that's how it was in the prison cell. But um, yeah, so the morality of it seemed a little bit more clear that it was uh, very, you know, if, there, if you're a killer, he will kill you. So in this case, I, the, these two are perhaps trying to kill him because they're sneaking up on him with knives. But you also have like a less... It's a less clean kill because, you know, the, you, their bodies are still there and pieces of them are flying instead yeah. of, you know, just sort of them disappearing. Like I said, you don't have that sort of just looks like a video game, you know, antagonist just sort of disappearing. Right. Um, so That's mostly because they didn't want to spend the programming energy to keeping all those dead characters loaded in, right? <laughs> <laughs> I imagine. But yeah. So that's so moving on with the story. Um the guards come in and are like are asking him, you know, do you have a sword? And he's like, Well, that seems pretty unlikely, doesn't it, officer? Maybe I got a knife like these two did, but so um yeah, and then the guy is like, How'd you get these guys like this? Like, Ouch. <laughs> Um, so then he says, I, I you can, I'll only talk to one person, take me to Rebecca Chambers and I'll explain it all to her. So then we flash over to Becky, Rebecca Chambers, 
Um, and uh, she was saying she, she was, uh, came in especially to talk to him. Uh, she's, he's been in uh, the holding cell for a few days and uh, had, she'd been relaxing at home. And when she got the call, coming in and talk to this weirdo. Mm -hmm. He was not restrained at all, even though he, they're pretty just sure he just two killed people. two prisoners. <laughs> He's just chilling with the trench coat. It's one of these, yeah, you, you fully dressed as you arrived in your belt and everything. So it's one of these interrogation rooms with the uh, mirror that, you know, everyone knows has like guys listening to you behind it and a tape recorder. And uh, she walks in and Justice is like, She's like, he wanted to see me. And Justice does his aura reading on her. And he's like, yes. She has a very pure aura, apparently. Yeah, blue. So he, he starts talking to her. And uh, she calls him John Doe because they've been running his ID through a computer. And they can't find anything of him anywhere. So he's, uh, he says he's been here three of your days. And uh, then I come from somewhere else. I don't ask me where, because I don't know, but it was beautiful there. I was a warrior involved with justice. I was, I was a justice warrior. Yes, that's right, a justice warrior. That doesn't sound like an action figure line or anything. <laughs> Collect all uh -huh. eight justice but... warriors. <laughs> coming, coming this fall. <laughs> a justice warrior who kills people yeah <laughs> not all people just the green ones <laughs> <laughs> yeah so just the guilty ones and then we get his terminology which i really liked deterred I the men i deterred in the jail were trying to kill me the man i deterred at the dance club was trying to kill me so when justice you know, kill, kill someone, that guy's been deterred. Mm -mm. I would buy it if the, there weren't like corpses on the ground in the jail cell, you know, like you could almost imagine like he's teleported them or something, but not so much when the one guy's got a hole in his chest. Yeah. And then, uh, so Becky is like, he was an undercover agent, J-Man. J-Man's pretty, pretty familiar there. Yeah. He was one of our justice warriors outwardly but he must have been deceiving you as well as his criminal associates i saw his evil nature <laughs> the story was ambiguous i i we can only take justice's uh word for whatever we saw we didn't get like an aura screen on panel so i know he, he did show green in that yeah so like they didn't explain whether he was like a double or a triple agent or who he was really working for, but he did have the green evil aura. Okay. I remember that much. So then Justice does something really interesting. Mm -hmm. I don't know why you can't accept it. You're, I see your nature too, golden and pure. You could learn to see what I see easily. He thinks <laughs> he's on drugs. He's a little, he's acting a little weird. And then, so when he says, he. You could learn to see what I see easily. He reaches over and kisses her. Should have put those restraints on him, man. So, you know, if in thinking about this, if uh, if this is how they train you at, in the Justice Warrior Brigade, oh, 
when we see them later they're all guys so <laughs> which justice warrior are they making out with to pass the training <laughs> you can have my powers but first plant one right here buddy oh yeah and the, hey. the gross sounding miss chambers your aura needs to mingle with mine it would help <laughs> us both <laughs> oh it's a flimsy line bro this is not subtle at all <laughs> we all use that aura mingling uh your aura has to mingle with mine line back in the 80s and 70s possibly 60s <laughs> anyway it's bad so more arguments and then uh rebecca chambers feels uh hey what's that chill and justice says i don't feel anything Ooh. and then we have a splash page of both of them being attacked by four of yeah. these guys from the cover, these goblinoid fellows. And one of them shouting, you're a dead man, Justice Warrior. So, yeah, goblin's a good word for it. I, 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 um, they have, they're hairless. They have sort of animal face features, but they're, they don't wear shirts. Um, but otherwise, they're, they're, fairly man size and shape yeah so we the next page is from the um point of view of the people in the the watching room and they're both knocked out or dead yeah we don't know so whoever was watching this interrogation is out of the picture and uh, we see um let's see chambers is firing her gun at his things and just just is saying no auras they have no auras so becky fires the gun a couple of times and she may have hit one there's a guy on the ground at least oh that's true yeah and it's interesting that the gun works because usually it's like oh no my gun doesn't work um yeah it's, a good it's actually point. justice whose weapon yeah. doesn't work He's basically standing there like an idiot, surprised that he can't see any auras and he doesn't know what to do. Yeah. One of them grabs Becky and says, uh, I've got this one. She's got wonderful energy. And the, the, the I guess, leader says, shut it down, but don't suck it yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh. What's going on, man? I don't know. <laughs> Justice is our assigned source. So he says, it's evil that I cannot see, but evil nonetheless. And he, uh, he tries firing his sword. Nothing happens. The, the thing just laughs at him and says, um, you're the only man to meet the hounds and live, Justice. Um, but you, we're trying to make up for our pack mate's mistake. So these are the things that attacked him before, which were dressed as ninjas. I guess, yeah. One. So he says, my sword doesn't affect you. Like you said, the, the guy says, you, we have no auras, so there's nothing for you to connect with. And if your sword is useless, so is your shield. Nice job like explaining the power set mid-fight to the goblinoid thing. It's like, uh, I mean, yeah. we probably could have figured that out. Just, Justice figures things out pretty fast. So it's part of, I do like that quality. Yeah. So, Justice, um, just, you know, oh, well, if that's not going to work, well, then flesh can connect with flesh. So he 
beats him down with his hand, bare hands. Basically, he remembers that he could just punch him. So he punches the guy. Roundhouse kick. Um, another punch. Another roundhouse. Um, who's handling one or two of them there? Um, gets one in a headlock, and at this point, Becky has is back up and has her gun, and she says, "Don't kill him. Stop." Pop just as kills that guy. <laughs> yep. um, but, yeah. Then um, he starts interrogating the last one, I think is alive. And he says, who sent you? Was it Conquest? Damon Conquest? Um, Becky says, I will shoot you, J-Man. Still likes that J-Man thing, I guess. Yeah. And uh, Damon Conquest? It's, this is the worst interrogation I've ever seen. <laughs> just like shouting a name at someone and while you're like twisting their neck it's not very like convincing no maybe he can like his truth-telling ability it's like if the guy says just agrees or not disagrees like he'd be able to say that you know i don't know yeah and, and like the, the classic good guy move is to kind of threaten to get the information you know like that man would hang you from this wire off the end of the building to kind of scare you into telling him what you need to know and then pull you back up or punch you in the face and uh justice gets the information he wants and then just snaps the thing's neck <laughs> he's already uh killed a couple of people and then is like uh you tell me what i need to know i will just kill you too in a minute so. i think that puts the kill counter up to four here uh two goblin yeah, things and two right. prisoners he kills at least two of these guys by by hand and so becky must have shot one and did he kill through two or three yeah it's good it's hard to follow let's see so becky shoots but uh at this point he's got his uh shield up and it is effective against her because she does have an aura and uh, he explains that and then tells her, we could be lovers, Miss Chambers. And he just walks out the door. <laughs> At this point, Hoyt Pittman, Becky's uh, <laughs> partner, who we met in the first issue, comes. Becky, what happened? Uh, where's the prisoner? Who are these guys? Notice their bodies don't disappear or anything. No. It's... You know, you, you usually when you see things like this in this type of story, like either the bodies disappear completely or they turn into people, right? Right. So you can't really explain what was going on. Why did you kill these people? Oh, they were monsters at the time. Yeah, crazy. Let's go. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this, they, you know, and we're not really, we don't get a good view of what happened, but it seems like you just have these bodies of these goblinoid monsters on the, floor of the interrogation room and it's i don't know all that warrants some... out of our, our brilliant hoyt Pittman is who are these guys not not like what the heck are these weird creepy alien things but <laughs> like, oh, who are these guys like he sees brown goblin things every day it's just another one of the gangs they have here in new york city hmm. so it's an amusing uh, scene as uh, justice just strolls out the front door holds the door open for a cop bringing in a prostitute <laughs> or something and wrecks right at the police station. Yeah, not the most effective force there. 
Yeah, it's interesting. So Becky works for the FBI, or at least the Justice Department, but mm. this isn't uh, an FBI holding facility. It's just the local police, apparently. So that explains a little about it. But so as he goes, though, Justice is thinking to himself, and he's he. We were saying in maybe last week that kickers, they're not cops or really trained to to solve mysteries. So mm -hmm. it made sense that they didn't really know how to do that. But Justice is apparently, you know, a justice warrior from his world. And he is rapidly putting things together. And it's interesting. He says, you know, this, uh, the assassins have followed me. They know their first attack failed, which gives me several conclusions. First, this uh, place enjoys direct communication and thus connection with wherever I came from. Second, they uh, operate here, which means they have their uh, means of return. So I can return, I can get home. And third, uh, they're trying to kill me. So I either have to win or I'll get killed. So, I need to reach Damon Conquest. Marty Roth called him his backer. And so in effect, did the hound. And a little uh, note from our editor there that Marty Roth was the eighth man justice deterred last issue. Um, I actually had that at seventh, I think. I'm not quite sure if I missed one or, or what. Oh, yeah, though it is interesting that they're keeping their own kill count. <laughs> yeah. Like we're aware he killed eight people in the last issue. I can go back though, because if they screwed up their own notes, that'd be a little sad. Yeah. So uh, he hears um, he's see he knows that uh, conquest is in Los Angeles, um, and uh, he's like, "How do I get to Los Angeles?" And then he sees someone getting into a cab, and so he. <laughs> Ashley Ness goes, goes over to the next cab and asks him to take him to Los Angeles. I feel like I've seen this in a movie, but I couldn't figure out what it was. Yeah, it, uh, it's, it's a good setup for, like I say, like a buddy cop kind of a movie. Yeah, like the fish out of water kind of thing. But, yeah. but as he missed his opportunity to drag the dragon lady around with him, an interesting character. Um, yeah, we'll see if we get stuck with the cabbie. He was really focused on Rebecca Chambers as uh, this, uh, yeah, the only. Yeah, apparently well, he can't help himself around her either. It's just kind of grabbing and kissing, and we could be lovers. <laughs> yeah, if he uh, wasn't the the center of the story, it would be a pretty sad state of affairs. <laughs> So um, we got the, the classic New York City cabbie. Um, he's not given a name in this issue, strangely enough. Uh, he gives him the, the classic cabbie. What are you, a comedian? Hmm. And uh, so he tells him, you know, Los Angeles is a long ways away and it would cost thousands of bucks to, for, to make it worth his while. And but he, I mean he's he's a fairly honest guy. He's like you know just take an airplane or even a bus, you know. Yeah, that's not what cabs are for. And uh, Justice says, uh, "See, your aura radiates only concern and greed, not fear. That's all I can ask for in the page." 
like a maybe he is taking him on as his protege. So he says, you know, if you'll, will you do it for ten thousand bucks? Yeah, Um, but uh, you know, I can't wait around here all day. I'll find you. This is like another part of his power. Maybe he can sort of find people. I think it might have been what he was going to try and do to uh, Chambers. Some sort of weird aura bonding thing. (laughs) He does not kiss the cabbie. No, not yet. (laughs) You could mingle auras um, and make it (laughs) 11,000. This is approved by the comics authority. So then a real interesting segue. We go, meanwhile and meanwhere. The king and queen of spring are soaring through the woodland glade with their wizard, Webstrow, and a coterie of warriors, by which I think they mean justice warriors. So we've gone to Justice's homeworld. Yeah. And we have these um, a king and queen, and then they're surrounded by their guards who are on these sort of Flash Gordon movie. That's um, exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, the platforms. And they're going through this like giant forest, which I don't know, Woodland Glade doesn't really describe it too well, but it's more no, like looks kind of desolate. Yeah. And uh, we have the King and Queen of Spring, and um, she says, Stop, Therion, stop. Don't you feel it? The chill around us now. And so again, we have this the chill is here and it it's danger yeah and the the queen who i think he originally mentioned in issue one that like her like rebecca's aura was similar to hers right oh yeah um and then both of them can feel the chill of the weird auraless goblin types although uh the justice warriors could not interesting yeah we also see that he calls her, the king calls the queen Endolana, although in the first issue, it was Justice called her Chandra. Mm. Keep it but, straight, man. But, um, you know, with the, their um, continue talking, and then they're immediately attacked by more of these goblinoid hounds. So, they also, the Justice Warriors here also note that they have no auras. And so a couple of them are getting it pretty badly. The Justice Warrior sees his arm torn away before the shock kills him. Oof. He never utters a sound. So they're, they keep fighting and they're, they sort of do the thing where they fly under a branch to hit the guy who's attacking them, stuff like that. And one of them says, swords and shields are aids to the justice warrior, but justice itself resides in me. I like that. It's talking a big game. That's a good game. So, but we have the king and queen. They're not uh, being attacked personally. And they're talking to this Webstrahl, their wizard, and uh, who just, he doesn't know what's going on. He says, maybe I, if I study these things, he looks pretty unconconcerned that their armed guard is all getting murdered too. He's just kind of like, looks like he's chilling in a flying lawn chair and kind of tipping back, like, hmm, maybe I should research these things. <laughs> maybe you should try to not die. <laughs> <laughs> the wizard's a little suspicious. I that's, you know, 
alarm bells go off when you have a wizard and then they're like oh you know we're fighting these other wizards yeah wizards don't just hang out together and all work together do they that would be crazy i wonder if maybe like the action scene here is like it's kind of completed like they're the justice after that big line of justice resides in me like did they fend off and defeat the goblins but they just didn't really show it that clearly so that's why the wizard is kind of casual but it could be because yeah the next page we just have a couple of them like falling to their deaths and or like the guy is doing hand-to-hand on one and so they capture one so they're they seem to be have things in good shape um so yeah, maybe at this point the fight is already kind of over. There's a lot of it was just sort of off screen or sort of behind them as they talked and we focused on them talking. Yes, we as comic readers don't want to see action. We want to see wizards talking about things. <laughs> so the queen is like memories. I felt it before the night these creatures found me in the garden with Tenson last issue. The only other issue yeah <laughs> but i couldn't explain that not the queen and the justice warrior and uh so the the wizard does get one and uh he'll he'll go take take him back to his lab for research and uh the king says the wizards of winter are getting somehow getting stronger every moonrise um what hideous forces have the frost lords bent to their will? And he also is missing Tenson, the guy we just called Justice on our wheel. If only we knew what happened to Tenson, he would have seen some facets, facet of this that escapes the rest of us. If he were here, I'd be certain we'd win out in the end. So Justice is not just like any guy in his, in his home world. He was a real you know, key player considered a pretty smart guy and he's either flash he's, gordon or he-man i think <laughs> a little bit of both it's actually i mean actually this these, these pages sort of give the game away i guess yeah because we've got we've got the you know the the otherworldly knight we've got the queen who's in love with him the king and the wizard so you basically have camelot yeah the wizard seems kind of shady it's uh and justice is lancelot he's in love with guinevere arthur is old and maybe not as as threatened by some outside forces and merlin is sketchy but still supposedly on your side oh man you just ruined the whole comic for me (laughs) it's just (laughs) space camelot and I feel like we already had that story too. <laughs> it's a um, yeah. When I flipped the page here, I'm like, "What the heck?" Like, I mean, He Man came to mind first, but then yeah, it definitely looks looks very Flash Gordon with the rocket sleds and you know the flat disc with handlebars that you're kind of gliding around on. Yeah, the first issue you only had that one panel of the other world so you didn't really know what to expect and this is a little underwhelming yeah it feels like a retcon already too almost because like the the flashback to the you know ninja looking characters that kind of surrounded you know justice or tencent and when he sort of 
you know, disappeared or died or got transported to our world. Like they kind of just look like regular guys, right? No brown yeah. skin, no claw hands, no mean faces, you know, but apparently they are supposed to be the same sort of uh, goon squad. Yeah, it's a, uh, yeah, like you say, it seems like a rolling retcon already. Maybe well, when we said uh, this just last month, we basically meant something else. So, I mean, that's, I mean, you can kind of fine tune things as you go along, but it, it you know, you don't want to sort of have abrupt changes like that. So we get back to our world and Justice does his like appear from the shadows in a uh, drug lord nest um, thing, which he'd kind of done once or twice before. Yeah, doesn't usually end well for the drug lords. Hello, I need 10,000 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> and the, 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 one of the um, dealers says, look at this now, the fool who tapped Cleavon and John Paul. So John Paul was the FBI guy who was undercover or maybe also a double agent or something. Right. But who is Cleavon? I don't know. I don't think that was one of the original two guys. I, you know, Maybe one of the guys in the jail in this earlier in this one. They don't have names. I'm grabbing my issue one on the search for Cleavon. Yeah, I had I thought maybe they meant uh, Chango, Chango Villa Lobos, but um, they mention him again later, so it's not him. And it wasn't the three guys in the beginning. They were slits, pink, and unknown. Could have been Cleavon. It's a bit of a mystery here. But or just a mistake. <laughs> or just a mistake. And in the next panel, he's like, they assured me that the deaths of Marty Roth and Chango Villalobos. So it wasn't Chango he was thinking of. Maybe yeah. he's correcting him. He's just too polite to say, <laughs> no, no, it, that, there's no Cleavon. That was Chango. Who are you talking about? Um, there's an interesting uh, character who, in a purple suit who just sort of leaves. Uh, later, Sal. <laughs> just heads out the back. <laughs> Not quite sure what the point of that was, but Justice uh, confronts these three or four guys who are left and um, that they, people in jail with him told him how about the drug trade and that all this money, they had all this money. And it's like, well, give me some money. I need some money. And uh, the guys uh, aren't too happy with that idea. Did they tell you what we do to fools who mess with us? They did. He shoots uh, one of them with his uh, sword. It's now it's sort of a tight beam, which fries his hand. Uh, he melts the guy's gun, but he's like, my hand, cabron, the, fresh, the flesh is gone. Yeah, seeing a guy's hand disintegrated isn't really that tasteful. Yeah, and the, and, oh, the writing. <laughs> like You do not need the characters to narrate exactly what is happening on the drawing of the page. We can see that his hand is burned. <laughs> gone yeah 
So he, he then puts up a shield, offense or defense. I can't have both at once, but if I'm worthy of my training, I don't need both at once. The guys are shooting at him and he seems to angle it so that it, one of them is killed by a ricochet from the other one's gun. And uh, then he fires. No, he, hit, he angles another ricochet at the guys. Uh, so he sh basically shoots himself in the leg. And he's like, you, you ain't human. You don't, but you don't scare me, Maricone. Go ahead, kill me. I won't beg. Why don't you just give me the 10,000 bucks? <laughs> give me all of the bucks. <laughs> you mean that's all you want? That's all I asked for. <laughs> Even when he's just like extorting people, he <laughs> a certain in innocence. Sort of. Right? So the guy gives him 27,000, he says, and uh, Justice is picking it up and the guy's like, oh, you, uh, you're going to Los Angeles. Oh, that's fine. Justice says, I can see your attention of warning your friends there. Um, so he gets deterred. Yes, and completely this is, vaporized in this case. Yeah, this is the, the, the basic vaporization version. So I can't, only came for the bucks, but I leave with evil deterred. So we have three guys down. One has lost his hand. One got shot with the ricochet and is dead. And one fully vaporized. Oh. So kill count up to about nine, I think. Um, let's see. Then we switch to Los Angeles. Damon Conquest uh, is uh, talking to one of the hounds. And he says, we're newly minted. Our pack mates failed against the king too, but we'll learn from our mistakes. Um, Conquest is, uh, starts telling him um, that he is, the corruption he creates here is being put to use in their world. And uh, he is, there's a lot of color flying around and you're not quite sure what's happening. But Conquest says that he is, you hunger for auras, Hound. I'm giving you free access to mine. Seems to be too much for the guy. Too evil. He's, he's passing out and says, too evil. <laughs> wow. So we're not sure if this guy's dead or not, but um, he's sort of on the ground. Seems and pretty he gets dead. Conquest gets a phone call from father who's I mean, it's his father, or that's their name for each other. It's, they just call him father. It's a cute name for when they're mingling auras. <laughs> Actually, in this case, he just says, hi, dad. Hello, dad. Hi, dad. <laughs> it's a very kid-like way to uh, talk to your evil overlord father. So, hey, dad. <laughs> hey, dad. What's up? So, My buddy's screwed oh, up again. Come to LA? I hope he does. His aura here would draw attention from, from Earthers outside, which I'm not quite sure how, how that works, but yeah. Okay. It's so evilly strong that people would notice it. Yeah, but I, he like, doesn't have he any visual. Old or is he hot? I, I can't quite you know, tell from what he did to the hound if he was sort of cooking him or freezing him or something. I don't know. So he says, father says, you've been a good son, Damon. You'll continue to be if you remember that conquest is our goal, not merely your name. 
Sigh. <laughs> Again, a little too on the nose. Even in comic books, that's like bad dialogue. <laughs> so, Father seems to be cooking up something else. Um, Damon's just going to sit there and wait for Justice to come and find him. And uh, we switch back to um, Justice, who's tracked down Cabby. He's like, hey, how'd you find me? Oh, you wouldn't understand. Aura mingling. But, but here's your 10,000 bucks. And uh, he's pretty excited by that. Holy Joe, I've died and gone to heaven. <laughs> Abby is pretty, uh, you know, it's stereotype uh, kind of a character at this point. Clearly, he's got nothing better to do, too. <laughs> <laughs> Jumps right over and it's like, California, here we come. So the yellow cab darts out into traffic, and so does a light blue Chrysler. And we see that it, following the um, cabbie and Justice are Rebecca Chambers and Hoyt Pittman in another car. And he's going to, they're going to, oh, the cabbie had tipped them off, apparently, told them that Justice was coming back for him. And I uh, they were like, friends. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what this cabbie's up to now. Um, so they're going to just follow him wherever he goes. It's going to take them all the way to California. Coming <laughs> up next. Team to arrest him or anything. Just let's just follow him. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem like justice is part of a scheme. So that's the like, if the, if the guy was just like a random killer, you would just want to take him off the street. Um, if he was like, he seemed to have other connections or something, that would be another story. But he really seems like a very lone gunman at this point. So. Yeah, and strange. Anyway, coming up next, tattoo. Which I got no idea what that means. No idea, but uh, it's not quite as good as Unleash the Hounds. And then the next issue, you have a bunch of literal hounds that are attacking you. Right. This one is much more mysterious. We don't know if we're going to uh, get to see the road trip, right? Or if he's just going to show straight, show up straight in California. Yeah, like the first page will be uh, Cabby just dropping him off. Well, thanks for the exciting time, uh, Tenson. Uh, I'll just drive myself back to New York now. Bye. And as someone who has driven across the country, if there was one blue car that followed you the whole way... How would you miss that? <laughs> Staying at the same hotel. There's nowhere else to go. <laughs> yeah. Usually, um, yeah, it seems doable at, at the beginning. You get out of New York uh, metro area. And then it's like 10 hours before you're even in like Pittsburgh or Buffalo, depending on which route you take. By then, you're already getting kind of pretty tired, and it's like the fun, the thrill is gone. Does Cabby and Justice take turns driving? Justice probably doesn't know how to drive, right? I'm guessing. Teach him how. He's like, so you want to take over? I paid you ten thousand bucks, dude. You, you just keep driving. <laughs> um. Yeah, be, it's that might be worth reading. Justice's um, world, as we saw, was this sort of techno-magical world. So it's possible he like 
and drive things or pilot airplanes or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's what reminded me, I think, a lot of He-Man, where it's like they have technology and vehicles and big cities and stuff, though they still generally end up punching each other or using swords or something. Uh, though I think that was largely because of like kids' shows, right? You, you kind of erase the gun aspect of things. Whereas yeah. Justice, you know, there's a lot of killing. Uh, though they, they don't really need weapons, I guess, but you'd think you'd have at least some missiles on those rocket uh, sleds or something. Yeah. It's a, um, he man's a good, good point of comparison. You have the, um, um, like guns in GI Joe always had to be laser or knock you out guns or something. Yeah, with a sword, that's pretty deadly. No, there's no way around it. So you have to have randomly like, let me just drop my sword and punch you instead. Well, yeah, the classic cartoon thing would be like, you know, you swing the sword and then they block it, but then you kick him or something, right? So like oh. the Ninja Turtles never stabbed anybody, even though. Right, they had a lot of stabbing weapons. <laughs> you have a sigh. Someone better get stabbed at some point. I mean, no, guess not. <laughs> but yeah, you're 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 dead on. I didn't pick up the Camelot reference, though it was pretty obvious uh, once you put it out there. But again, so that's kind of the story, and then the visuals are very Flash Gordon. I I mean I don't know if this is the best place to bring it up, but. The thing with Justice is it kind of reminded me of a movie I remember from the 80s that isn't really very well remembered called Birdie. There was a guy in a um, insane asylum and people would talk to him and he had this sort of very vivid, you know, imagination of like, you know, where he came from or something. And it was one of these things where you weren't quite sure whether he was actually someone from like another world or he was just a crazy person. Yeah. Okay. And sort of switching back and forth injustice kind of dilutes the idea that maybe this is just a crazy person <laughs> and which would be kind of a good, you know, it would sort of add a little bit more if you could drag that out a bit more because I mean, once you start seeing these goblin hounds and things you know you're like well i guess he's not crazy but if you can kind of wait a little bit and sort of keep things um still sort of up in the air i think the um the ultimates like um the read the envisioning of the avengers like thor originally they weren't quite they kind of thought he was just oh, a crazy yeah. person and that Valhalla was just all in his head, you know? Right. Yeah, I remember that. So I would sort of drag that out a bit more if I was uh, approaching the story. Um, that's my, my major, like, if, you, if you're too blatant and say, you know, okay, this is absolutely another world and you know, this and that and the other, and it kind of, you know, switches what you can do with the story i guess yeah i think it would have been a lot better if they just stuck with the mostly following justice as he's getting out of prison you know confronting the hounds perhaps uh you know heading out on the trail to try and find conquest right that's kind of the trajectory of uh, him from the first issue 
but yeah, then like the space wizards and you know, you know. And I guess if you were doing basically, they already outlined conquest's plan, which was kind of interesting and mysterious, and now it just sounds kind of dumb. Like we're we're creating corrupt vibes and sending the evil to the other universe <laughs> where it is powering us up. Yeah, our frost giants or something. Yeah, the frost lords and the wizards of winter and wasting yeah. stuff. It doesn't sound very new universe. <laughs> so it's definitely like the tone, a bit of a tonal shift too, because you have this sort of childish, bright, you know, alternate world that's, you know, uh, versus like the gritty New York City drug dealers getting deterred all the time. Um, yeah, I think maybe having that confrontation in the police uh, station was a little too, um, like I say, if you keep if he keeps like fighting the hounds, but like Rebecca Chambers isn't there, and they just you know the bodies aren't there and stuff, you know, it kind of keeps you going with like really what's going on. But um, so overall. Um, the writing was definitely took a bit of a hit from the first issue. Uh, it didn't have something, some Archie Goodwin quality that I can't put into words, but um, I'll knock it down to about a B plus, I'd say. Wow, well, okay. I'm still being generous, but because I kind of like the Yeah, it has a lot of momentum to it, you know. The idea is still sound, right? I'm I'm still invested. I still kind of want to know what's going on. Uh, exactly. Not just because I've committed to reading the entire new universe, but you know, I, I do want to see how it goes. Um, yeah, I'm I'm just gonna give it a D. Wow. I, I I read it twice. I was kind of hoping to like pick out some good parts, and like the writing just drove me up the wall. Like the phone conversation with dad conquests where you only hear one side of it is like but he's he's basically repeating all of the lines from from dad it's like oh basically every character is kind of explaining what's going on on screen uh it, it, yeah that drove me crazy i mean the art's fine like the story is okay i didn't like the space wizards i don't, I don't know how necessary that was I'm hoping it improves. Yeah, and even the last, like the last line we get too is like stuff like, you know, we'll follow him all the way to Pacific if that's really where he's going, or my name's not Hoyt Pittman, it's like because he didn't say his name yet in the book, so they needed to remind us who he was. It's like, I, I can only assume that's going to be a major guy because you know he's been in both issues so far, but. He hasn't done anything in either one, so... Yeah, he really has not. But he's Hoyt Pittman. <laughs> Hoyt Pittman. Hoyt the Pit Pittman. Yeah, the... Um, as far as how excited I am for the next issue, I am still sort of... Yeah, let's see where Justice goes next. Yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful. <laughs> like Maybe they gave him this one on a short deadline and then yeah, he gets a little better grasp of the character and... It's uh, yeah, like he's possible, but maybe the writer himself has to kind of learn the characters, and that's why he's writing them so weird. 
that's the end of the number twos. Um, I think we've gone long enough for today. So oh, yeah. we will start off our discussion next week with a quick recap and uh, sort of our highs and lows of the number two issues. Um, and that we will cover Starbrand number three and Spitfire and the Troubleshooters number three. See you next time. See you next time.